Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of To The Point Podcast. Everybody's doing well today. Um, we're scheduled to go live in about uh, five minutes' time, but I'm too jacked up. You know, it's free agent frenzy day in the NHL. I have so much to talk about today. And I said, you know what, let's let's get going today. Uh, let's, let's start a little bit early. And what a day it's been. Um, if you're looking at the NHL right now and the landscape, you would not – predict that you know there was a pandemic that we just went through really a long slog of, of time where you know ownership was not making the type of money that we're used to obviously we see the you know Jeff Bezos uh, Richard Branson people are making money throughout this pandemic however they're NHL owners a lot of them own hotel chains a lot of them own restaurants those aren't exactly the type of businesses that were rolling in the dough during the pandemic but we're seeing here that teams are aggressive. Free uh, general managers are targeting free agents, and I, I love it that you know Tampa has won back-to-back Stanley Cups, and I think that can put the league on notice. Uh, I think when Pittsburgh won back-to-back titles, teams really were aggressive. They said enough of this. You know, we're not just going to target their players, but we're going to do more. We're going to push forward and really see what we can do to get better and, and to be competitive and knock off. You know, these Goliaths, the Tampa Bays, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2016 and 2017. And to think that I would be talking about, you know, the first team I'm going to talk about, the Seattle Kraken. I had no I had no idea that this was coming today. But two huge splashes from the Kraken. Obviously, they were in the news cycle the last number of weeks. Newest NHL franchise. They are, uh, they had their expansion draft. They, they had a lot of time. They signed Adam Larson. Jamie Alexiak. So they have been in the news. But today, I didn't expect a huge day. They obviously had cap space, but did teams really, you know, did players really want to go to Seattle? Is this team going to be good? Can they be as good or better than Vegas? How How is this team regarded? And I think that we saw today that money talks. Um, and of course, there's blind faith that Seattle Kraken are going to be a good team next year. I love the way they built their defense. They've already um, offloaded one player in Curtis McDermott. But the way they built their defense with the likes of Carson Soucy and Adam Larson and Alexiak and a number of large, big defensemen, I think this team is going to be very hard to play against. But, you know, when it comes to their forward depth, they were lacking. Jordan Eberle is a good player, but he's more of a second liner. Yanni Gord, again, second line at his, you know, at his best, in my opinion. So you have some guys that are right now not properly slotted to do their best work. And today, they really upgraded. Um, the biggest signing for me, even though in the expansion draft, they get the oh, Vitek Vanacek. And they get Chris Drieger. And they do things like that to have good goaltending depth. The signing of Philip Grubauer really took me, it took my head off this afternoon when it came up on my phone. Because I thought it was a foregone conclusion that Philip Grubauer would remain in Colorado. I thought Colorado needed Philip Grubauer and Philip Grubauer. This is hard to say because we rarely see it now in pro athletes, but Philip Grubauer really should have taken less money and stayed in Colorado because Colorado is built to win. They are now, they now have a hole in their lineup and I'll get to that in a minute, but Grubauer decides not to go with my philosophy where take a little less money. You might win a Stanley cup. And again, every time a player takes less money, you're you're gambling. Of course, you know nothing's guaranteed in life, nothing's guaranteed in pro sports. But you have Nathan McKinnon. You resign Kale McCarr. They resign Gabriel Landeskog this morning. Their captain. You know he took seven million over eight years. I thought that was a fair contract. But Grubauer, who's really been a proven starter for a year and change, decided to take the big swing, take the money while it's here. He signs a six-year. $5.9 million extension. It's basically six years, $36 million to go to Seattle. And he is a bona fide starting goaltender. So there's no worry there. He was nominated for the Vesna Trophy last year. I believe he can elevate even more. I think this guy has a potential. I don't worry about, is this a tandem goaltender? To me, no, he is not a tandem goaltender. He's a starter. Uh, I saw a lot of tandem goaltenders signed today, which we'll get into. He's not one of them. But 
for Seattle, I totally get it. For Grubauer, maybe he wants to forge his own path. Maybe he wants to be a bigger figurehead. In Colorado, he's always going to be, at best, fourth, fifth fiddle. Nathan McKinnon, Landeskog, Miko Ratnan, Kale McCarr. These guys are always going to be at the forefront. Now, the goaltending position will always take spotlight, like quarterback in the NFL, but a German goaltender playing in Colorado is likely not going to get the biggest attention. He goes to Seattle, and he's instantly one of the biggest names on this team. And, you know, he's won a Stanley Cup as a backup goaltender, but like I said, he was nominated for the Vesna Trophy. Jordan Eberle, Alexiak, Larson, none of these guys have been nominated for a major award. This guy has, you know, been there, done that. And can he build off that? It worries me, but I do like the signing because he's a number one. Drieger can be your backup, and you have stability in that. So I like that move. Now their second big signing of the day, Jaden Schwartz, you know, another former Stanley Cup champion where he was one of St. Louis's most important players. Um, in my opinion, you had Ryan O'Reilly who won the Conn Smythe. Right behind him was Jordan Bennington. If Bennington doesn't win the award, Jaden Schwartz is going to win the award. Uh, he, he had 13 goals in that playoff. was massive for the St. Louis Blues. And he's kind of got a little Braden point in him. Uh, definitely was not highly touted. I think he's a smaller forward, but he's got that bite. He's not afraid to get to the middle of the ice. And when healthy, he's a very good player. But that's the if here. He signs a five-year, $5.5 million a year contract. And if this was coming off the Stanley Cup victory, that makes all the sense in the world. Um, Jaden Schwartz was riding high. His stock couldn't have been higher. It was Apple uh, with Steve Jobs at the helm. But he's coming off a number of injury-plagued seasons. And I really like the player. But I don't sign a player that I worry about long-term injury-wise to a five-year deal. And teams that are now saying well, we can just buy him out or we can put him on long-term injury reserve. That's a gamble because is Shea Weber going to go on long-term injury reserve? That's still a question. Montreal's going to pay his salary next year. It's going to hurt them. So that that's something a lot of teams can't afford. Can the new Seattle franchise afford to do that right now? They just paid a large, large expansion fee just to get into the league. So... I look at Jaden Schwartz and say, if everything goes well, I love the player. He's a heart and soul type guy. He can wear a letter in Seattle. However, if this does not go well, then you're stuck with a big contract to start your, your, your team. It can really weigh you down. And if he's giving you the same production as Jordan Eberle, that's a disaster. Because Jordan Eberle, like he's a second liner if he's playing at his best. That's what he was in New York. He was never a top-line player. He played with Barzell in that role. You need Jaden Schwartz to be a top-line winger. You're paying him like he is. No, you're not paying him like you know, Toronto Maple Leafs do or Edmonton or you know Tampa Bay, which we'll get into. But it, it's still, with their cap structure... Jaden Schwartz is their peak. He is their asset. And that's not something, that's a gamble. And I'm not a, I'm not a big gambler. I do like to play poker. But when I play for poker, I play online. I don't play for money. So it, it's a big difference there when you're rolling the dice on a, on a river card there. So I credit Seattle though. Don't stand pat. I've said this on you know, this, this show many times. They have a lot of pressure to be good this season. Not two years from now, not four years, not the process like the Philadelphia 76ers in basketball. They have pressure on them to be really good really soon because Vegas made it to a cup final in year one. And whether that expectation is fair or not, I'm not saying that their expectation is Stanley Cup final, but to me, the Pacific Division is weak. Seattle could push for a playoff spot, and I think it'll be looked at as a failure if they're at least not in that mix. 
and adding Jaden Schwartz, adding Phil Grubauer, gets them closer to that goal. So I give them credit for being active. And whether I agree with it or not, at least they're, you know, punching their ticket. Um, breaking news here on the podcast. We got Nick Foligno. He's not going to Minnesota to re, uh, re-up with his brother. He's not go- joining the Toronto Maple Leafs. He has chosen to sign with the Boston Bruins and is what expected to be a two-year deal. So Nick Foligno was traded last year at the trade deadline for um, uh, to the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, didn't turn out well. He was injured, um, and that tough blow for uh, for Toronto there. But he heads to Boston. Um, they haven't re-upped David Krejci yet, even though it's reported that he will be. They did make some signings today with Eric Halla, a big defenseman, Derek Forbert, Thomas Nosek. So he's another kind of gritty type guy that can play a bottom six role, potentially uh, move up the lineup with uh, Sean Corrali departing the team today as well. Uh, so Boston making some moves. Um, but there's a couple teams in Canada that really made moves today, and it's not really Toronto. So that's also refreshing. Um, I'll start with the Edmonton Oilers. It's because I know Casey's, uh, Casey's, uh, listening here. So Edmonton, you know, number one, they get Zach Hyman and, uh, I, I, who doesn't like Zach Hyman? Um, the work ethic, I think he's really helped. Everybody talks about Matthews and Marner helping his career. They have, he's also really helped theirs. He's helped their bodies by not having to go into corners, for a number of years where Matthews is just starting to learn that you have to go get the puck. Marner is still trying to learn that on the fly here. Um, but Zach Hyman decides to leave Toronto and he signs a seven year, five and a half million per deal with the Edmonton Oilers. And again, it's so hard to look at contracts now because you look at seven years and I should look at the here and now. So I will first right now, it's great because Zach Hyman, guess who he's playing with? Connor McDavid. And if he's not, I'm going to call up Kenny Hall and say, what the hell are you doing? But he'll be on Connor McDavid's line. And you can put Nugent Hopkins with Dreisaitl. You can have multiple players. You can have two lines that really look strong. It's not just McDavid. Okay, we got to throw him with Dreisaitl. Then you have Yamamoto stuck on an island with Nugent Hopkins or they want Nugent Hopkins as a winger, and now he's playing center. Never works. Ask Bill Nylander. Um, so McDavid, you get him with Hyman. He's a much better Zach Cassian. Uh, Cassian's played a lot with McDavid. That was effective to a point. Pat Maroon did it for a while. You need a guy that you can trust. Zach Hyman, with the right players, is a 20-goal scorer. He's proven that year over year. And... So in that sense, I think you help their two lines. Their top two lines are strong again. And Zach Hyman is a good add for the Edmonton Oilers. But um, there's a couple really buts here. The injury problem. Zach Hyman is constantly banged up. And that would worry me. Um, He's had an injury pass. He's had multiple knee injuries. So that's concerning. Um, you, he's been a guy that's always had Nixon, you know, he's towards ACL and then there's the term seven years. And I look at this and say, why seven years? Why seven years? And I don't get why they had to go seven. If there's another team asking for a seven year deal for Zach Hyman, you gotta let him go. If it's Detroit or if it's another team that's desperate, New Jersey, well, let Zach go there. And I don't really know if Zach would have went there because he knows he's not going to win. He's not going somewhere only for money, in my opinion. Um, So why seven years? It was it was almost an eight year deal, but Toronto didn't want to give up, uh, give them the cap relief. So which was another puzzling decision from Kyle Dubas, who has no draft picks. And could really have used an extra one, but he decided not to out of, I don't know, spite or not wanting to help out Edmonton, who's in 
the Western Conference. We're not playing. We're not doing the Canadian Division again, Kyle. I'll just update you. Uh, I uh, I made sure that wouldn't happen again, so I didn't have to suffer through that. But seven years. Why? Love the player. Hate the years. It shouldn't be seven. Four. That brings him to thirty-four years old. With his the way he plays the game, with his injury history. Is he playing past 35? I have my doubts. We see a lot of guys who play like him. Do they last? Not really. And if they do, they're not playing long. They're, they have a short shelf life. And I think Toronto may be overestimating, uh, sorry, Edmonton may be overestimating his longevity. And that would, that concerns me. So... I think Zach's a great player, but I would not have given him that length of term. And I would not have given him. If you have to give him the money, you give him the money. But there's no way I give him that type of money, $5.5 million, on a seven-year deal. No way. Great player. But I'm, you still got to think longer term. I get it, Ken Holland. You're thinking, okay, well, I won't be here in a number of years. So I'll just do it. It won't, won't affect me. Well... <clears throat> your ownership you got to say we got connor signed for another four or five years we got to keep him happy for the guy he loves right now is injured in two years how's that going to look on this franchise so question there today they also re-signed tyson berry four years 13 million dollars um good deal they lose obviously lose adam larson they um kind of replaced him with cody cc um but Tyson Berry was a key add to this keep was key to uh, to this team last year when it comes to their power play. He had a good connection with McDavid, Drysital. So I, I liked what they did there. I like that he added. Um, I like that he kept Tyson Berry because he's just an important piece for this team. Uh, he's just power play guy. He he can put up points. So I like Tyson Berry quite a bit. Um, Cody Cece. Wow, this was a came out of left field for me. Cody Cece, who much maligned in Ottawa, gets traded to Toronto, was playing his last year there at four four point five million. Gets plays at Euro, but really could hardly stay in the lineup. You know, Leafs fans hated him quite a bit, and he decides to go to Pittsburgh. And last year, to his credit, he had a decent season. And you know, I think Cody Cece's well liked guy around the league. But he didn't have a fantastic season. He was okay um, and in a 5-6 role. But then Edmonton today signs him for four years, giving him, again, a lot of term for $3.25 million per season. Now, I don't know if there was some kind of just wicked bankroll that as Cody Cece had at his disposal or multiple teams were bidding for his services. But four years at 3.25 per, where Cody Cece is best fit as a fifth defenseman. He shouldn't be in your top four. And if he is, you have problems. I think he's a great number five. But number five defensemen don't make 3.25 million a season. Number five defensemen are like Zach Bogosian. When he was on Tampa Bay, he was their fifth defenseman. He made league minimum. He made 850 like he will in the next couple of years for Tampa. That's a good signing. Like your depth forwards, your fourth line forwards are not making $3 million. It's rare that you see a Tyler Johnson play on a fourth line and he makes five plus million. That's not normally how this works. And I think clearly Edmonton must think he's got more upside, even though he's played in the league a long time. It's going to be, it's very rare that you see a player completely transform from who they are for five, six years into something completely different. So I look at that signing and say, again, why so much term? Is it, Ken Holland strikes me as a bit desperate today. Tyson Berry, great. Zach Hyman, again, that's a reach. That's too long. Cody Cece, you lose Larson. Then they traded Ethan Bear. Um, who was a promising defenseman. And to me, 
this screams that they believe that either Philip Broberg or Evan Bouchard will be on their team next season. They both are prospects. Uh, Bouchard playing most of the last season in the American Hockey League and then Broberg playing in Sweden. But they clearly think one of these guys can play NHL minutes next year. And, okay, I just would have liked the return to be a little bit better. They trade Bear to Carolina straight up for Warren Fogle. Warren Fogle is a third-line checker. I think Bear has more upside. I think Bear has potential to be a top-four defenseman. He'd shown it. He he had his ups and downs last year. Um, he went through a lot when it comes to you know, people criticizing him on social media, battling uh, people being really quite racist towards him for being indigenous. But he got through all of that. I think he came out the other side a better person, a better player. And uh, they're, they load up in a sense, but I see them loading up on players that, aren't necessarily going to help them. And there's, there's still the biggest question mark is in that. They re-signed Mike Smith to a two-year contract. The guy's 39 years old. He had a great year last year. I think Mike Smith's a great great guy, great story. You know, he gets involved. I think he's really well, just a good guy. How He's 39. Is he going to be as good as he was last year? I have my doubts. And then you have Miko Koskinen, where they decide to buy out James Neal and keep Koskinen, but he's making $4.5 million. He's a guy that I've never loved. I don't know how the Edmonton Brass at that time allowed Peter Shirelli. Just a refresher, they signed Miko Koskinen, Peter Shirelli did, a day before he was fired. How do you let him sign that contract? Ownership has to sign off in every contract, and they let that happen. I don't know how, but again, a questionable decision that's really hurting them. But Mike Smith and Koskinen, this is what they brought into last year. And Mike Smith was great during the regular season. But they get to the playoffs and they get swept. Was it all his fault? No. However, it was still a sweep. The Jets still swept them with Mike Smith in every night of the week. So... I just see this and say it's another failed attempt to get better. This needed to be a better. We see goaltenders out there. So many have moved today. Peter Morazic, Jonathan Bernier, um, Yaroslav Halak, Braden Holpe, Philip Grubauer. Um, you know, the list goes on. And Edmonton couldn't land one. I get you got to get rid of Koskinen, but you can get rid of contracts. Tyler Johnson was traded from Tampa Bay. They made it work. And if you have to give up a high pick to do it, so be it. You're in win-now mode. If you have to do that and get rid of a pick to get yourself in a better position to win a Stanley Cup because you've got the best player in the world during the regular season on your roster. Connor McDavid is the regular season best hockey player in the world. There's no debate. It's not even close. I'm, you know, the general statement is he's the best player in the world. But if you're out in the first round of you're in the playoffs, it's really hard to say that you're the best player in the world because you're not playing for two months. But in the regular season, he's the best. He's better than Crosby. He's better, you know, you name it. He's better than him. So what's a draft pick? Connor McDavid doesn't give a shit about a draft pick. If you're going to give Zach Hyman seven years of term, why not get rid of a dead weight goaltender? And say, well, screw the draft pick. We're going to win the cup. You know, we're going to make a run. Draft picks don't mean anything when you win a cup because you feel good about it. Tampa Bay, sure, they have the draft, you still select players and it's important for your future, but they're not as important when you win it all. You don't think as much about your first round picks when Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman were traded for them and they really helped you raise the Stanley Cup. And I think Edmonton could have used that in this instance to. Get rid of a contract, get rid of a pick, and then you go out and sign a Philip Grubauer. Or you make a trade for Darcy Kemper, and you do something to put yourself in a better position to ultimately be at least in the conversation of winning a Stanley Cup. Um, so that's Edmonton. 
Vancouver has been very active over the last number of days. Um, obviously, started with them trading away Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, you know, a couple of first round picks to Arizona, acquiring Oliver Ekman Larson and Connor Garland. Uh, Ekman Larson still has four years left in his contract, making $8.25 million a season. Garland, they re signed yesterday to a five year. Uh, $25 million contracts that puts him in at $5 million a season. Um, Garland, I think I've talked about this before. I think he's a good player. 39 points in 49 games last year. Really tough to play against. Got a lot of offensive creativity. And credit to Vancouver because they now have two lines that can legitimately be two lines of NHL hockey. You know, be a 1A, 1B. You got Brock Besser. You got Elias Pettersson. You got JT Miller. You got Niels Hoglander, you got Bohorvat, and then you got Connor Garland. And those two lines are very formidable. Then you drop down the line, it, it gets looser, but at least you have a top two lines that, you know, a team has to pick a line to really put put up against. It's not going to be an easy decision. And they have Thatcher Demko in net, who has proven time and time again that he's a really good goaltender. He's He pushed... Jacob Markstrom out. They let Jacob Markstrom walk and, and sign in Calgary last offseason. They've made uh, decisions against going right, with other veterans because they believe Thatcher Demko is the goalie of the future. He hasn't shown any really negative, you know, hasn't shown anything to the contrary yet. Um, so yesterday they bought out your, uh, Brayden Holpe, who had one year left in his deal. He gets bought out. And today they, they signed his replacement and veteran Yaroslav Halak. Halak had been in Boston the last four seasons, being the backup to Tuka Rask, going on deep playoff runs a number of times. And he was just a really solid backup. There were times where Rask was injured. Rask, uh, Halak had to play playoff games when Rask basically quit on the Boston Bruins in the bubble. And I look at Halak, and he's one of the better backup goaltenders still. Um, Did not part ways well in Boston, where... He was not the backup goaltender uh, for them in this year's playoffs. It was uh, Jeremy Swayman, who's the heir apparent. But he goes to Vancouver where he's clearly the number two. But you know he can start 30 games. You can give, uh, or, you know, 25, however you want to distribute it. But you're not worried about him starting. Uh, He's a veteran. He's been a backup goaltender for a long time. And he's he knows his role. And I think he'll help a guy like Demko who's still trying to figure out the league, still a very good prospect, but give him a good backup. A lot of, you know, he can talk to them, feel confident. And it's also not a guy that you're worried about stealing your job. This is putting the emphasis on Thatcher Demko that you're a guy, you're the man, and it's your time to shine. You know, go out there and dominate. And I think that's really what this signing meant. So a good signing there. And then they also made some, some depth moves today. Um, signing Luke Shen to a two-year deal worth 850000 per. He was on Tampa the last number of years. He plugged in and out this year's playoffs. He played only a few games, but he's been a solid NHL defenseman. I mentioned third-line third line deep pair guys make eight fifty nine hundred grand. Luke Shen is going to make that, and he fits in well with their defense score. He plays like Travis Hamanick, more of a defensive guy. He's a, a guy you can pair with a more offensive guy. So, that helps, I think, Ekman Larson could play with a guy like Hamannick or even Shen because they are not going to jump into the rush more often than not. They're tough guys. They uh, know their position. They play really positional, positionally well hockey. And um, I, I think they can use their size to their advantage. And again, Luke Shen, two cups back-to-back. He's really reestablished his career after it looked like it could have been over after those tough days in Toronto and Philly. He's found his way, and good for him to get a two-year deal. There's rumors he was going to sign in Vancouver last offseason. Goes back to Tampa, and now they give him that extra year of security. I mentioned Hamannick. He's had a you know, tumultuous couple of years. Uh, was in Calgary, then got moved to Vancouver. Um, he's He had COVID. He's got a, a daughter with autoimmune deficiencies, so that was a big scare for him when he did have COVID. And but I he wants to remain in Canada, and it's good to see him stay in Vancouver. Um, but as a whole, 
I like what Vancouver did. I mentioned their top two lines. They got a starting goaltender. Ekman Larson is your number one defenseman. Worries me. Um, I have to see it to believe. I think he got really stale in Arizona, but who doesn't? You look at guys in Arizona, you look like look at guys in Buffalo. It gets tiresome. Uh, it gets really, you get worn down. If you haven't watched Sam Reinhardt's presser when he joined the Florida Panthers from a few days back, he looked, you know, over the moon, excited to be joining the Florida Panthers. Just a new franchise, just new, a new wave, fresh air. Just, just feel better about yourself, I think, that you're out of that tumultuous, that crazy atmosphere where it's all about losing and negativity. And you can go to Florida, who's kind of on the rise. You know, you got Huberto. You got Barkov. You have um, uh, Spencer Knight and Nett. It's just, it's a new way. It's a new perspective. And I think that's what half of the battle here. For Ekman Larson, maybe next year is a lifting point and it's kind of a relaunch of his career because he's in a new scenario. Now, how does he react to a Canadian market? He's only played in Arizona. He's only had five, you know, mics in his face per day, if that. You're going to Vancouver where the pressure is on. Jim Benning, his ass has been on fire in Vancouver for years. And the fact that he still has a job is really quite alarming. But he's clearly, he knows he's on the hot seat. He's on the last year of his deal this year. If he wants to be re-signed, I believe the Vancouver Canucks have to make the playoffs. And I, I knew they weren't going to make the playoffs last year. I had conversations with many friends about it. And I don't have that same feeling today. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs because I keep my opinions until the regular season starts. I like to review the rosters, go through my, my process. But OEL, Garland, Besser, they have players. Pedersen hopefully can come back healthy after a terrible season last year. They have pieces in place. Quinn Hughes took a step back. That didn't surprise me. He had a great Calder uh, season. You know, his rookie season won the up for the Calder Trophy. Played great. But there's more there. He can be better than he was last year. I don't know if he's as good as he was in his in his rookie season. But Garland, OEL, you get stability in net with uh, with Demko and Halak. Vancouver is not the pushover that they were last year. And credit to Jim Benning for at least going out there and improving a roster that had a lot of bad contracts. And now you can say we're at least going to be a competitive team in a weak division. The Pacific with Calgary... Let's go to Calgary. Calgary. Ah, oh, Calgary frustrate me. Um, I love their signing today. No surprise. Blake Coleman, um, two-time Stanley Cup champion, formerly of the New Jersey Devils, got traded two years ago to Tampa Bay for a first-round pick. Turned out to be one, on one of the best third lines in the last couple of decades with Yanni Gord and uh, Barkley Goodrow. Goodrow and Coleman both turned those great a uh, couple seasons into a six-year contract. Goodrow signing with the Rangers and then um, Coleman heading to Alberta. So the Coleman ad is great. Um, he's a guy that well, prior to going to Tampa did play top six, play a top six role. He scored 30 goals once with New Jersey's perennial 25 goal score. So I do think he has more than the third line that he presented. I also think he's a Zach Hyman type that is going to work. We see him in the playoffs. He's a guy that's not afraid to go in the corners. He's a very workmanlike guy. He does have skill, but he he doesn't. He's not afraid to get in, mix it up, get physical, and that's half the reason why Tampa was so successful in these in those last couple of playoffs. So great, great ad there. But the rest of this team, again, it's beginning of the off season. Things can happen. But just looking at the team right now and doing a quick analysis, does Blake Coleman make this team a Stanley Cup contender? No. And I love Jacob Markstrom. He's a great goalie. But he was, a, he was okay last year. So, okay, he's going to be better next year. Okay, I'll, I'll agree with that. Sure, he will be better. But I just said Vancouver is going to be better. Edmonton in the present will be better. Hyman, hopefully, uh, you know, can, can make them a bit better. Seattle, they're no slouch. Vegas, they're still good. Um, 
LA and Anaheim, you know, remains to be seen. LA makes some moves today. I know they don't want to be bad again. So it's it's easy. it's not hard, but it's not easy. It's what I'm it's getting tougher as the signings, as the hours roll on here. And for Calgary, just making the playoffs, it shouldn't be enough. Making the playoffs is something that really bad organizations should live with. Arizona, Buffalo, we saw the Buffalo Bills making the making the playoffs was like, you know, I'm not going to use that analogy because probably shouldn't use that one live here, but it, it, it's like, um, you know, winning the lottery. It, it's such a success. It, it's over the moon. It's just, okay, we made the playoffs after just 20 years of ineptitude. But for a team like Calgary, for ownership, looking at Brad Tree Living, making the playoffs cannot be your baseline. It needs to be more than that. Because you've kept Johnny Goodrow. You've kept Sean Monahan for years, and you get to a certain point. And we're starting to see that that point being, okay, we're making the playoffs. Almost won the President's Trophy. Missed the playoffs. And I don't see that changing. Johnny Goodrow and Sean Monahan just aren't good enough to win a Stanley Cup as your best players. I don't think that's a hot take. I just think that's, that's reality. Johnny Goodrow is a... He's a good to great hockey player. This is how I look at This is my scale. I have replacement level. I have NHL player. I have good player, great player, star, superstar. So I have a six-tiered system when it comes to my brain and evaluating the game of hockey. I think Johnny Goodrow at one point was a star hockey player. He had 95 points one year, was really one of the best players in the league, Johnny Hockey, he was riding that wave. Since then, I have not seen him excel. I have not seen him get back to that level. I've only seen it decrease, decrease, decrease. Sean Monahan, one offseason had eight surgeries. No wonder the guy is not what he used to be. I didn't. I never thought he was a superstar, but again, he was a, a good to great player on my six-tiered scale. So... For Calgary, yeah, Blake Coleman's great, but you lose Geo. Who's that's a big hole on the back end. You, you don't just replace Mark Giordano. Yes, Rasmus Anderson's very good. Yusuf Valamaki looks like a good defenseman. But you know, Chris Tanev is, is is really good in his role. But where do you go? You still have the same nucleus of forwards that have failed time and time again. Why are you going back to that well? And I just think this is a massive mistake for the Calgary Flames. Brad Tree Living should have been fired a long time ago. If I was running that team, he would have been. Because I can't have a guy who keeps coming back to the well with the same guys thinking, we're going to get a different result. That's called insanity. I don't live in the world of insanity. I like constants. I like things that I know. I look. It's really obvious for me. And yes, I think I know hockey very well. But I look at a team and say, they can't get it done. Yes, the Washington Capitals took a long time to win. But they moved players in and out. They made significant changes. Their bottom six forwards were important ads. Lars Eller, Devontae Smith-Pelly, guys like uh, Michael Kempney. They were big ads. And it wasn't like Ovechkin and Backstrom were playoff dumps. They were winning rounds. They just ran into Sidney Crosby, one of the best players in the history of the game, year after year. Calgary hasn't been running into that. So I just, I like the Coleman ad, but I don't see them pushing it over the top. And I think a year from now, I'll be sitting here saying the same thing. Why didn't they make a change? And maybe they do it for the start of the season. They should, but we'll see if they actually go through with it. Um, Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, I didn't expect them to have a huge day, but last night I wake up to them trading Tyler Johnson to the Chicago Blackhawks, where 
They pick up the contract of Brent Seabrook. Brent Seabrook is retired. Well, technically, he's on the long-term injury reserve because he just can't play anymore. So it's a dead contract. It sits on your books. You pay a salary, but you get salary cap relief. So it gives him $1.8 million salary cap. Johnson gets flipped to Chicago for a second rounder. So not a bad deal. They also add Zach Bogosian today. Three-year deal, 850000 He won. Uh, the first time they won the cup, he was on the team. So he knows them well. I like the Bogosian ad. He's been nothing. was great in Toronto. was great in Tampa Bay. So good ad there. And then, you know, they had Brian Elliott kind of replacing uh, Curtis McElhaney as their backup goaltender. I like that move. But the big move of the day for Tampa Bay, this just came in before I went live, uh, you know, 40 minutes and change ago. They re-signed Braden Point. Braden Point. Maybe the most clutch player in the past two playoffs. You could argue Vasilevsky, you could argue Kucherov, but they're right there with one another. He gets re signed to an eight year, 76, making sure I get this right, $76 million deal. That would total 9, 9.5 million per season. Um, he had one year remaining on his current contract, making just above 7 million um, on a three year bridge deal, but they signed him before. He's locked in long term. He's making 9.5. You have Vasilevsky at 9.5, and you have Kucherov at 9.5. So, of course, this brings into the thinking, well, you know, nine and a half is a lot of money. It is, but it's not the $10 million threshold. Uh, we've seen Carey Price is the only $10 million player that's actually won a playoff series. No $10 million player has won a Stanley Cup to this point. And it's just a different structure then we see in Edmonton, then we see in Chicago, then we see in Toronto. These teams that have out, you know, got huge tickets where te- guys are making above $10 million, they haven't had any success. Chicago has not won a playoff series since um, they signed Taze and Kane to 10, 10 plus million dollar contracts. Toronto has not won a playoff series since signing. Well, they didn't win any before, but they didn't sign since Matthews, Tavares, and Marner have, have signed those deals. They have not won a playoff series. Edmonton has not won a playoff series since McDavid and Dry since McDavid signed his twelve plus million dollar contract. So it begs the question: Where's the perfect money? You know, Seth Jones, Braden Point, Vasilevsky, Kucherov—they're making nine five. Is that going to be too much? Because you need to be able to distribute the wealth. But it sits a lot better when you sign a guy for nine point five million as a fan. I I think anyway. When the guy that's making nine and a half million won two cups, was a stud, is a great player, is clutch, at least he did that. Taze and Kane won three cups. Is it hurting Chicago right now? You bet. But you still have three cups in your bank account. I like what Tampa has done. This, this is a fair deal. Point took seven on a bridge. He won two Stanley Cups in his two years after signing that bridge. He deserves this raise. He's been a phenomenal playoff player. And you see them again. They get Bogosian to come back. Elliott for 900000 He's a perfect backup. Vasilevsky can start 60-plus games. Elliott just needs to start 22. You're good to go. He was he was pretty solid in Philadelphia. They had, they've had McElhaney the past number of years. His, you know, his time in the NHL, I believe, will be over. But um, he, he was solid for them. So you get a replacement, Elliot, who's a little bit better than McElhaney is at the current moment. So point, Kucherov, Vasilevsky. Um, yes, you, they've lost their entire third line. They lose Gore to Seattle. They lose Goodrow to the Rangers. They lose Coleman to Calgary. That's a tough blow. For sure, it's a tough blow. You lose Tyler Johnson, who's still a good player on your roster. But you still have your nucleus. And you're still working things out. They still have the trade deadline next year where you can make moves. And to think that Tampa Bay, who's won two cups in a row, I believe they can be competitive again. Pittsburgh made the playoffs the the, the third year after winning back-to-back cups. I believe Tampa's going to make the playoffs again. And I believe they have a better chance than Pittsburgh did at going three for three. Because I believe the players that they the players they have right now are in their prime. Melkin was coming out of his prime. He was wore down, as was Crosby. That next year, Washington broke through. They had lost to Pittsburgh so many years, but they had 
a little bit more rest. Ovechkin was riding high, and Washington was just a better team than Pittsburgh that year. Tampa, it's going to be hard to say teams are going to be a lot better than them. We'll see, but I, I, a tough couple days for Tampa for sure because you lose, but you knew this was happening. They get rid of Tyler Johnson. They needed to. They add, they sign point long-term. That's not going to count this year. It's only $7 million this year. So they still have money to, to spend. You know, They have to get to the cap, but they'll be able to work it out. Julian Brisebois and, and that crew there know what they're doing better than most people in the NHL. And, you know, good moves there. Um, Carolina, a team I I really like. Uh, Rob Brendamore, hard coach. If you don't like Rob Brendamore, then you got to stick up your ass. Uh, but he's a great coach. He's one of the more popular people in the NHL. And Carolina's made some questionable moves. Uh, they trade Alex Nadalkovich, the restricted free agent goaltender, nominated for the Calder last year. He's 25, won at 3.5 million. Uh, they didn't want to pay him that, so they trade him to Detroit, where he signs a two-year deal. I think he could have been their goalie of the future and been a bargain. But so not, not to bring him back. They'll let Peter Mrazek walk. They'll let James Reimer walk. And they bring in two new goaltenders to their to the rotation here. The first being former Toronto Maple Leaf goaltender Frederick Anderson, who was coming off a five-year, $25 million contract with the lease. He was traded from Anaheim a while back. He signed right away. And this was really his first time hitting free agency, and he didn't last long. Um, since two years, $4.5 million per season. And basically, Carolina assigned him to be their starting goaltender. They also today added Antti Ranta, who's bounced around, played for Chicago, played for Arizona, played for the New York Rangers. The biggest knock on Ranta is he's had his injury woes, concussions, knee injuries. So Freddie Anderson has also had his injury history the past number of years. Hasn't been able to play a large amount of games in the regular season. So I see this as a step back for the... Carolina Hurricanes. Why? Why? You know, I sign Nadalkovich, and then I I get a I get a backup goaltender to to pair with him. Uh, maybe it's not Morazic because he's kind of been there, done that with Carolina. I understand that Reimer. I wouldn't have brought him back. But looking around the league, I think there's better options. I think there's guys that would have fit better. Jonathan Bernier. Make a move for him. He's your backup goaltender. You got a better tandem than you have right now because I don't trust either of these goalies to be available for you. Now, can Freddie Anderson find a resurgence? Yes. And here's a big reason why Carolina has one of the best defensive structures in the NHL. Expected goals against five on five, they're you know, best in the, in the NHL, meaning they defend the best. And you look at the defensemen with Slavin, with Brett Pesci, with, you know, they lose Jake Bean over the last couple of days. They're going to lose Dougie Hamilton, so they are losing some important pieces. But you got you got still got really good defensemen there. They lose Hayden Fleury uh, over the last season. But I like their defensive team. They still have a strong defensive prowess. Uh, Rob Brennamore has guys buy into his system, and they either do it or they're gone. Sebastian Ajo, Jordan Stahl, these guys buy into their system and, and it works. So I think Frederick Anderson can have a resurgence because this past season, the Toronto Maple Leafs were a decent defensive team, but he was out for most of the year. Prior to that, this guy was getting shelved with 45 to 50 shots a game, and it was hard to critique him because you're saying your defense core stinks and your forwards don't back check. And it's really hard to say, okay, are you a dumpster right now? Or is it just because you're so tired by the end of the year, you get to the playoffs and you're like, what am I supposed to do here? So defensively, this team and this system can really help Frederick Anderson. But I don't love it with Ranta because I would have liked to assign a, at least another goalie who has had a history of being healthy. Because Ranta does not have a history of being healthy. He has a history of being injured all the time. And that would worry the hell out of me if I'm Carolina, where I believe now, they need to sign a goaltender to the – they're probably signed to a one-way contract, but get him to the minors so you have a guy that you trust down there. Is it Aaron Dell? Is it a guy like – could you get a Curtis Mac, McElhaney who wouldn't get claimed? Again, he's not a starter, 
but he's a guy who's played backup minutes in the NHL, you know, over the last number of years. To me, they need another goalie. They need three because I don't trust either of these guys to be healthy long term. They also today they um, they added Ethan Bear uh, traded for Warren Fogle and also adding Ian Cole on the back end. Who I do like that addition, a big, strong defenseman. Uh, one year, two point nine million. He's been on Stanley Cup winning teams. He's just another physical guy back there that's not going to take anything from anybody. So, a good add there. Um, let's get to Toronto because I've almost gone. You know, I've gone fifty plus minutes without talking about Toronto. So that's got to be got to be a record for most sports shows around uh, around Canada today uh, when it comes to Hockey Central and everything else. Uh, but Toronto does a few moves today. Uh, they. The big, big one, of course, is goaltending. They add Peter Morozik to a three-year, $3.8 million season contract. And, you know, Morozik is, he's been a tandem starter. Um, he's never been the number one guy. Originally drafted by the Detroit Red Wings. Had a decent career there, but he gets moved to Carolina where he's been there with Nadelkovich. He's been there with Reimer. Uh, been, but he's never really had the job to himself. At points in playoffs series, he's gotten looks, he's gotten starts. But again, he's a tandem guy and definitely not a definitive number one. So this would mean that Morazic is going to pair up with Jack Campbell, who's entering the last season of his contract uh, with Toronto. And they needed a guy who's played 40-plus games, which Morazic has. Because Jack Campbell has started you know, in, a, in a full season, his the most starts he's had is 26. 26. That that's not even halfway for being a backup. So it that's not you know giving half the starts to a guy. That's not even a full tandem. He's not proven that. Last year he rode the wave of momentum, had a great season. I can't say anything bad about him. Led in a bad goal in game seven to Brendan Gallagher. Other than that, great season for Jack Campbell. But again, he's had injury history. He doesn't have any history that proves you that he can do this. So you needed a guy with some stability. Do I think Morazic was the best option? No, I don't. Uh, but with their cap situation, they didn't have a whole lot of options. I said to my parents, I think Braden Holpe will be their guy. Now, Braden Holpe has been a mess ever since leaving Washington. And I understand why you go the Morazic route. Morazic's played better over the last number of years than Braden Holpe has. So fair enough. But Mrazek's never been a starter. Brayton Holpe has been a starter. So, you know, as Dirk, as you can hear, Dirk's uh, kind of on my side here. Um, I, I, I get it in a sense, but Toronto's put themselves in this position. They didn't look at the goaltending position and say, okay, Frederick Anderson's almost done. He's injury prone. We don't have a solution in-house. Ian Scott, nobody's ready in the minors to step in and play. And that's on Dubis. That's on the organization for not having a succession plan. So you're constantly going to the free agent market where, you know, you look at it. Braden Holpe was drafted by the Washington Capitals. Jordan Bennington was drafted by the St. Louis Blues. Andre Vasilevsky was drafted by the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's called home. You don't see a lot of championships won through free agency. You can see through deadline ads, Coleman and Goodrow, good ads. Um, you look at Pittsburgh, they made some, you know, Ian Cole was a deadline acquisition. He was an important player for them. So there are guys that prove out that proved to be big, Jamie Alexiak. But normally the nucleus of your team and the way your structure and goaltending is a key fabric of that, you win through draft picks. Tuka Rask was drafted by the, well, originally by Toronto, but flipped to uh, Boston, not soon thereafter, basically draft night. So that wasn't um, a big, uh, he wasn't in Toronto long. Um, so Mrazic's a good ad, but do I think this makes him a Stanley Cup contender? No, no, because I don't trust either goalie. And a tandem works until you get to the playoffs to me, because once you get there, it's, well, who's the starter? It's always like the coach never feels comfortable with one. And if he, if you have two goaltenders, you don't have one. It's like a quarterback. If you have a, a head coach says, we got two quarterbacks that can play this year, then you have none that can play because you don't trust either of them because you're just waiting for that guy to screw up so you can yank him and go to the next guy, and then it's just a 
cycle. They had also added David Camp. He was formerly with Chicago, $1.5 million a year. He's a depth forward. Uh, if he does make the lineup, suspect him to be in the bottom six, likely on that fourth line role. And they also had, you know, tough guy. One of the last tough guys in the NHL, you could even say he's an enforcer, Curtis Gabriel, who played in San Jose last year. Kind of a uh, big personality. He's been an advocate for um, LGBTQ um, people and, and the uh, LGBTQ community. So he's well known for that, but he's also a big fighter and um, something that I think people in Toronto can really get behind. So if you're if you're a person in Toronto who thinks this team's a little soft, Curtis Gabriel is definitely not that. Uh, only played 11 games in San Jose last year. Don't suspect Curtis Gabriel to play all 82 for the Maple Leafs. But in nights where you think it can get chippy or you need a little bit more of a physical uh, presence, Curtis Gabriel should be there and ready, locked and loaded to uh, contribute in any way that he can. Um, you know, Dallas makes some moves today. They get uh, Braden Holpe at one year, $2 million. They also added Brian Suter, who was bought out from the Minnesota Wild. He gets a, a three-year, $3.5 million a year contract. Not bad for a guy who's just bought out. Um, I thought he would get decent money because he can still play. That buyout really surprised me. Uh, he stays in the Central Division, so he will play um, against the Minnesota Wild a lot next year. Maybe that's part of his decision uh, to get back at them. But Dallas adds Holpe. He'll let he'll pair with um, Anton, Anton Hudobin. Uh, they still have Ben Bishop under contract, but I think they'll try to move that um, before the season starts to do something because three goalies is not going to work. Uh, but Suter's a good add to that defense core. They lose Alexiak. You bring in Suter. He's a, a good um, replacement. And um, oh, just breaking news here. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens have signed forward Mike Hoffman to a three-year $13.5 million deal. Um, big signing for Montreal. They've been kind of under the spotlight lately because they drafted Logan Mayu in the first round, uh, 30th overall. And if you don't know Logan Mayu, he was playing overseas last year. He was arrested, then charged with uh, uh, really this unfortunate situation with a woman where he let he took a picture of her um, and she was naked. And then it, it was leaked throughout. It got public. She brought him to court. He, Mayu then told the entire NHL not to draft him uh, throughout the entire draft. Montreal then went ahead and uh, drafted him 30th overall, really good sense of PR there from them. And then today they came out and say, he's not going to be a training camp. He's not going to be at rookie camp, won't play next year. So they're walking back basically uh, what they did on Friday. But today they signed Mike Hoffman. They signed David Savard. Uh, David Savard's a really a good ad for Montreal. I like that ad a lot because he's a good replacement for Shea Weber. Um, do I think he will be Shea Weber? No, that's not easy to replace him. But Savard can fit and he can do aspects of Shea Weber's game. He's big, he's physical. If they want to pair him with Sherrod, I think that could work. And he doesn't, he's not a huge step back. He's 30 years old and, and we saw him last year in, in Tampa. But we've seen him in Columbus where he can do more than just be a depth defenseman. And I think for Montreal, you lose Weber but you expect Alexander Romanov, who I think is going to be a top two defenseman when he gets to his prime to take a step forward. I don't know why they wouldn't play him last year in the playoffs. It was idiotic to me that Kulak and Eric Gustafson, who came play hockey uh, was in the lineup where Romanov was just sitting there. Uh, so I think Romanov will play regular shifts next year. He'll be an integral part of their team and um, expect him to get a bigger role on the team and be a factor as the year goes on. So Montreal, again, adding Mike Hoffman, adding David Savard today. Hoffman is a guy who can, is a goal scorer. That's something they really missed last year. Um, goal scoring is hard to come by in the NHL. He's a guy that can score you 30 year after year over 82 games and put him with, put him with a really good passer. Uh, and he could be dangerous for Montreal who coming off a of Stanley cup final. Will they get back to that? Can they get back to that level? Or do they take a big step back next season? Um, one big loss for Montreal today is they lose Philip Dano. He signs a six years, five six year, five and a half million dollar per year deal with the LA Kings. I mentioned the Pacific Division over, over the show. The, they want to get better. Uh, 
The LA Kings are not okay with being this bad while they rebuild. They want to be competitive. And I think it really shows that today where they signed Deno and say, we're not comfortable just being mediocre here. We need to be better year over year. And um, I think we'll see them try to take a few steps forward. You need some of their players to um, to take a step for, with their young guys, get better, uh, step up. Can Drew Doughty help this team? Because this quick have anything left in them? But Deno helps them. They re- also got Alex Edler, who um, signs a one-year, $3.5 million deal with the LA Kings. After 15 years in Vancouver, he stays in the division but goes to LA, um, playing 925 games for the Canucks, the most ever by a Vancouver defenseman, so really a legend of Vancouver. But they, they decide to move in a different direction uh, with some of the moves they make today with Ekman Larson, with Shen, with Hamannick. So they've gotten replacements for him and they decide to move in a different direction. So there are other signings. Brock McGinn, uh, the Senators traded Dadnoff today, add Delzato, extend uh, DJ Smith. But I'm sure this will continue tomorrow and throughout the week. So I'll be doing shows this week. we got the NBA uh, draft tomorrow night. we got, you know, the Frasian Frenzy continues. Uh, we still have Dougie Hamilton out in the market. It was reported this afternoon, done deal in New Jersey. Nothing's been reported yet. So he's still available. Uh, Nick Ritchie's still available. There's still some good players out there. So where do all these guys end up? Uh, Jack Eichel, does he get traded to possibly Vegas? Vegas re-ups Alec Martinez. They do a few other things, uh, bring in Laurent Brassois as a backup goalie to Robin Leonard. But where do they go? They need a number one center. So we'll get into all that this week. Thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoy this. Um, try to get this on the podcast feed as well. Uh, so you can check it out there. Uh, if you can't listen now, you can listen later. But as always, thank you guys. Uh, Stay safe, uh, take care, and uh, we'll talk soon.